Psalm 56. We're going to read the whole chapter, which is only 13 verses. The psalmist writes, Be gracious to me, O God, for man tramples on me all day long. An attacker oppresses me. My enemies trample on me all day long, for many attack me proudly. When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? All day long they injure my cause. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife. They lurk. They watch my steps as they have waited for my life. For their crying, will they escape? In wrath, cast down the peoples, O God. You have kept count of my tossings. Put my tears in your bottle. Are they not in your book? Then my enemies will turn back in the day when I call. This I know, that God is for me. In God, whose word I praise. In the Lord, whose word I praise. In God, I trust. I shall not be afraid. What can man do to me? I must perform my vows to you, O God. I will render thank offerings to you. For you have delivered my soul from death. Yes, my feet from falling that I may walk before God in the light of life. Please pray with me. Almighty God, maker of heaven and earth, you can be trusted. And yet, Lord, there are times and there are situations where we are afraid. Do you know? Are you there? Do you care? And so, Lord, you know each individual that has arrived here this morning. You know each circumstance that they're walking through. And would it be that they leave this place having been addressed by the King of Kings and Lord of Lords, no matter where they are at in their walk with you? You can be trusted. So help us this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Uh, in the summer of 1989, I graduated in June of 1989 in U.S., California, um, in a suburb, which is really terrible, called Modesto. Uh, I graduated from high school. And the day after I graduated from high school, I um, moved out of home. And my dad had always informed us that our, for our 18th birthday present, we were getting a sack lunch and a road map. That was our 18th birthday present. Nice guy, eh? No, I love him. Um, but uh, I, I look forward to that. Uh, and so I moved out. And I got a room, which this sounds really random, hey, for a guy. But I got a room with um, an elderly lady in a church who was hiring out a room. And so um, her name was Barbara. And Barbara let me have really... Uh, the house as well as this room that I could sleep in and, and study in. And um, it was about six months that I was at Barbara's house, and I was out on Baines Road, and um, this, this town of Modesto has grown and grown and grown, but Bangs was just kind of the edge of the, uh, the, the town, and it, there was a lot of orchard, and there was walnuts and almonds and peaches, and I think she had almonds. And her, she had about two and a half acres of almonds, and I had this room that was kind of on in, at the back of the house that had a corner, uh, it was a corner, and I had windows on each wall. So I could out look over the um, orchard, 
It was a lovely place, um, and I really was blessed staying there. But about six months into my stay there, I was driving down Tully Road to turn right onto Bangs, where I lived, and the place was cordoned off with police. There was police stopping you from turning um, onto Bangs Road, and there was police stopping you from going further onto Tully Road. And as I explained to the officer, well, I actually live at that house, and he said, well, you can go park in the driveway, but you'll be escorted by a policeman. Uh, And so when you park your car, you need to run to the orchard uh, as there's something going on inside the house. And I'm like, okay. Uh, So I parked the car, ran, you know, (laughs) got shoved into the orchard, and um, there's police circled around the house. And um, we're standing there waiting, and within, you know, 10 minutes or or so, you begin to hear yelling and screaming, get down, on your face, get down, on your face! Uh, And, you know, of course, you're kind of wondering what's happening. So basically, we were being burgled. Our, the um, house was burgled, and the alarm went off, at which notified Barbara. So Barbara came home, and um, you know the police were there within an instant, and um, they found the burglar. Well, as we're waiting for the police to you know continue looking around for any other suspects or anything else suspicious, um, the officer. I went to the officer and I said, "Oh, um, where was the guy?" And he said, oh, he was in the far room at the back. It looked like a guy was staying in there, uh, but he was under the bed. Oh, okay. That's great. You got him. Are you sure there's nobody else in there? Uh, how am I going to sleep in there tonight? So, uh, so we finally, obviously, you know... Um, we're trying to settle ourselves down after the police had left, and of course we're looking to see if anything's gone or anything is missing. And it finally came time to go to bed, and I must have checked under the bed 12 times just in case he, you know, didn't fully leave. Um, and I was afraid. I was afraid. And I'm thinking, what, am I, what do you do when you're afraid? What do you do when fear grips your heart? No matter how much you try to talk to yourself, no matter how much you try to recheck and rethink and review just to make sure that you're safe, sometimes you're just left feeling afraid. And there are many, many situations that we can find ourselves in that cause us to fear. And yet what is so incredible about Scripture is that it gives us a remedy When we are afraid, we are to trust in God. Seriously, preacher? You're going to tell me when I'm afraid that all I need to do is trust in God? Isn't that like a little bit Sunday schoolish? Isn't that a bit sort of like, ah, isn't there more that we can do? My point this morning, what I would love for you to walk home away with this morning, is that you can trust God. You can trust God to hear and act for you as he has in the past. God has acted in the past, and he will act for you now. You see, verse 3 says, David is writing and saying, When I am afraid, I put my trust in you. Have you ever thought about what is happening in your own heart when you're afraid? I mean, As I said before, fear equals a result. And there are hundreds and hundreds of things that can make us afraid. I took some time just to kind of consider what are things that we can be afraid of. Some of them are not so, some of them are silly, and some of them are not so silly. 
But some of the things that we can be afraid of is a new year. Some of us can be afraid of losing our health. Some of us can be afraid of a random illness that there's no um, remedy to. Some of us can be afraid of not finding a spouse. Some of us can be afraid that we, will, we won't get married. And then some of us are, who are married, we're afraid that we'll lose our spouse. We can be afraid of what's going to happen with our children. We can be afraid of making wrong decisions about employment or finances. We can be afraid of what the economy is doing. We can be afraid of our kids' physical safety or my spouse's physical safety or my physical safety. We can be afraid that one day we're going to lose our mind. And some people said, I already have. But some, you can be afraid that you're going to lose your mind. Some people can be afraid of being out and a terrorist attack happening. Some of us can be afraid of sugar, vaccinations, not being in the right retirement fund. There are many, many things that we can be afraid of. But what does this reveal about us or expose about us? And I think what it reveals and exposes is we actually live in a world that we are not in control of. We live in a world as desperately and as hard as we try to, we cannot control everything. There was a time when my dad dropped me off at my grandfather's house to stay with him. And um, I was about 10 years old. And... um, my dad had dropped me off, and I'd never been at my grandfather's house alone before. And I had gone to the bathroom, and when I'd come back from the bathroom into the lounge room, my grandfather wasn't there. And I went looking around to find my grandfather, and my grandfather, I'd gone to his bedroom, and I was standing in the doorway of his bedroom, and in his bedroom there was a bed, and there was a dresser, and on the dresser um, there was a mirror. Lined up along the dresser was several, several different bottles of alcohol. And laying on the dresser was a massive, long rifle shotgun. As I watched my grandfather fill his glass and drink it, he never saw me standing there. But as he came down with the glass, he put it down, and he saw me, and we made eye contact. And he picked up his gun, and he held and pointed it at me, and said, Get out! And off I ran out of the house. He came and stood on the, the uh, veranda yelling at me. My nickname is Scooter. <laughs> Funny, I'm on a scooter, but my nickname is Scooter. <laughs> He's yelling at me, Scooter! Scooter, get back here! I'm thinking, yeah, I'm going to go to you. You got a gun pointing at me. And, uh, and I hid, and I was afraid. I didn't know what to do, and I waited for my dad to come back. And when my dad came back, you know, he dealt with his dad and got in the car and went home. But what, again, at a very young age, you begin to realize is I couldn't control that situation and my dad couldn't control that situation. But when I am afraid, I do something. And in that situation, I ran. But it's how we act that I want us to consider because Psalm 56, David is running. You see, if you were to, I don't know what your Bible reading plan is, but um, for the last couple of weeks, I've been going through First Samuel, which is the story of David and how God called David and set David apart to do some great things. I mean, he was going to be king. He was anointed to be king um, 
and he was in the shepherd field, he had uh, seven older brothers who picked on him, who were very uh, uh, suspicious of him. Um, David was then anointed and said that he was going to be king, but then after he was anointed, there was a whole bunch of bad stuff that happened to David. I mean, yes, he got to go serve in the king's house, uh, in the king's palace, but the king tried to drive a spear through him. I mean, how fun is that? David was afraid. David had people who were against him. So from Saul, uh, 1 Samuel 16 all the way to Saul, uh, 1 Samuel 21, um, we believe, uh, theologians believe, that this psalm is actually a reflection of how David was feeling when he's running from the Philistines. He's, run, uh, he's actually run to the Philistines, but he's running from Saul because Saul wants to kill him. So what is David supposed to do? How did he respond? Yes, he ran, but he ran to a place and he acted as though he was insane. And the Philistines, he actually ran to Gath where uh, Goliath was from. He runs to Gath. He reckon, the king and the Philistines recognize him saying, isn't this David, the David who killed 10,000s of people? Isn't this David? And David begins to fear for his life. So he acts insane and starts drooling down his beard. And, and, and the king's saying, get him out of my sight. But David is afraid. And he realizes that the only protector that he is going to have is God. David's enemies are trampling him all day long. Attackers oppress him. They attack him proudly, he says. All day long, they injure my cause. All their thoughts are against me for evil. They stir up strife. They lurk. David is being pursued by many, many various trials and challenges. But what can you do when you are afraid? David says in verse 4, In God whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid what can you do when you are afraid? You see, there is a connection between fear and trust. Have you ever noticed the connection between fear and trust? There's always a connection. You see, because fear reveals that there is a lack of trust. There is a lack of trust in either someone or something. Now, friends, you will never, ever find me bungee jumping. I might bungee jump if they can get a whale to get strapped onto a rope and drop it, and then I might have some confidence in the bungee rope. But I do not trust bungee ropes, so you will never find me bungee jumping. Some people aren't afraid. They have confidence and faith in the rope that the rope is not going to snap. We live in Australia, one of the most beautiful, if not the most beautiful country in the world. And I can say that as an American and a Mexican-American at that. But uh, we live, Australia is the most beautiful country. Now, in Australia, when you think of Australia, you think of beaches. We go out and enjoy the sun and you frolic in the water and you surf and do whatever you want to do in the water. But people won't enjoy the beach. Do you know why? Because they're afraid of skin cancer. So there are some ways that we can deal with our fears. We can deal with fear by avoidance, or we can deal with our fears by improving it. You see, I am afraid of public speaking. 
I have a fear of public speaking. You wouldn't know that, but I have a fear of public speaking. And I can feel sick, and I can feel nauseous, and I can sweat really bad. And so what can I do? I can avoid it, or I can try and improve it. But there's a danger in trying to improve it because it all comes about me. It all becomes about me. You see, what happens when we avoid fear is we don't do anything, oftentimes missing out on good fun, or what happens is when we try to improve it, it leads to self-improvement, and we become the focus, when actually, in fact, that's not what it's supposed to be about. We are supposed to be glorifying God with the skills and abilities that we have. And sure, we're not going to always get it right. You probably already noticed this morning how some of my sentences haven't flowed together very well. Now, I can hold on to that, or I can think, Lord, please, I'm trusting you. Have a look with me at verse 11 here in Psalm 56. It's the last sentence that I want to highlight to you. David says, what can man do to me? How does that question make you feel when you read a psalm and you're living in difficult times and you read that question, what can man do to me? Have you ever thought about that? Man can do a lot. Man can break into your house and you not feel safe. Man can fire you from your employment. Man can misrepresent you and slander you and ruin your reputation. Man can steal from you. Man can kill you. There are a lot of things that man can do. So why is this question here then that David has written here? Why is that question in Psalm 56, what can man do to me? I think it's designed here to help us when we are afraid and we are in difficult situations to gain perspective. I think it's here to help us realign our thinking. I think it's there to help us recalibrate our focus for what are we focusing on? Are we focusing on the creator? For truly, David had men who were pursuing him, not to give him a cuddle, but to kill him and to destroy him. David is focusing on the creator of the world. Are you able to focus on the truth in these difficult situations? Are you able to focus on the creator of heaven and earth? The one who names the stars the one who spins the galaxies, the one who knows the very number of sands on the seashore, the one who knows and knit you together in your mother's womb, the one who knows the very numbers on your head. In light of who this creator is, in light of who this provider is, the one who created heaven and earth and then provided food, Can you imagine the way those mangoes must have tasted in the Garden of Eden? Can you imagine how perfect those vegetables must have been? He provided food for them. And then after Adam and Eve chose to do what they did, he provided clothing for them. He provided things for shelter. But not only that, he's providing a way for us to be at peace with him when we are not able to be at peace with him. 
He is a healer, the one who heals up wounds. He is the ruler. He commands the winds and the waves to stop. He is the sovereign Lord, the one who sees every crack and crevice of this planet, and nothing escapes his notice. Gaining perspective from his word, which informs me that he is the creator, the one who informs us of the armies and the people that he's overcome and the people that he set apart to do his will and his way. David knew his word and he knew what was going on. So perhaps this question of what can man do to me is a question all about perspective. What can man do to me in light of who God is? Think of Job. Job had a wife, no longer. He had children that were taken away from him. His property was taken away from him. He was tested and tried in so many difficult ways, and yet he never, never doubted God and his goodness to him. I was catching up with a dear friend this week. My wife and I were catching up with a dear friend this week who is walking through a very, very, very difficult season. And as we were uh, seeking to encourage one another, the verse that was, re- was brought to our attention was Romans eight twenty eight, And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. When you are walking through trials, are you going to God's word to help you with perspective? It begs a question here when we're looking at this psalm about trusting in God and when am I, I am afraid I put my trust in you. But how do we put our trust in God? Okay, so we look back and we reflect, but how else do we, what do we do? What are we to do? What's our part to play, if anything? You see, trusting in God is not a one-time act. The way that this um, psalm is written in Aramaic, it's written in a present tense, not in a past tense. So when David is saying, when I am afraid, not when I was afraid, in that time when I was afraid, it's when I am afraid, present tense. I put my trust in you, present tense. So trusting in God is a moment-by-moment action. Early, um, actually it was in the middle of October, my son and I left for America, and and then I left him and went to the pastor's conference with Dave and Brendan. And it was on the Wednesday morning that Brendan and I went to go get a coffee, and um, it was wet and rainy, and some of you know this story, but it was wet and rainy and dark, and... I stepped on a sidewalk, uh, we were walking on a sidewalk which had a curb, and it was painted yellow, so I noticed that it was a curb, but I stepped on this curb, and I slipped, and I fell, and um, what I fell on was a little bit of a garden concrete uh, block type of thing, and when I fell down and hit that, I broke my fibula, which then splayed my ankle, and, um, and you know, I had so many hopes and I was so excited about being at this conference. But when I landed on this, uh, and then I was in hospital in America, and we couldn't really find out what was going on. 
Um, I was worried about medical insurance. I was worried about my wife and my kids. I was worried about how this was going to affect Dave and Brendan. And I was worried about all the people that I wasn't going to get to meet. And on and on and on and on it went. And I was afraid, to be honest. I know it's not a blokey thing to say, but I was afraid. Uh, and I wasn't sure. How, what, why? Why? What's this about? Uh, I was able to fly home without having a surgery. In fact, they didn't identify in America that I'd broken my fibula. It wasn't until I came home uh, and went to the Hornsby Hospital that they realized that I'd broken my fibula. And then they told me that I was going to have to have surgery. Well, um, the doctor said I wasn't allowed to wait bare for 12 weeks, which that's a really long time, not to wait bare, had surgery. That was on the Thursday, but on the, sa- on the Saturday night, my wife decides to tell me that... Um, we're expecting baby number eight. Um, as I'm laying there, sitting there thinking, wait, I just, am I, is this the drug speaking? Is this really, uh, wow, this is, uh, this is pretty incredible and trying to process this and, you know, thinking, okay, um, we're going to have to change vehicles. We're going to, how am I going to afford this? What are we going to do? What la, 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 la. And again, as a bloke, I shouldn't say this, but I was afraid thinking, how am I going to protect and provide for my family? How are we going to get through this? Well, two Sundays ago, my wife miscarried the baby, uh, and um, it's been a very painful process. Um, and um, we went to the doctor, and you know they told us about what was going to happen. And um, but was the miscarriage wasn't what was scary. It was on the day after when my wife started hemorrhaging at home, and we had to go get an ambulance. And you know, once again, sorry, things are out of control. Um, I, I, what, what can I do? Lord, this is so big. So what am I supposed to do? It's not a one-time act that I confess that I trust the Lord. And each and every circumstance that is thrown our way, we're given an opportunity to trust the Lord. It's a moment-by-moment act to trust the Lord. And you know, for David, trusting in God was based on his knowledge of who God is. Because you know why? You can't trust what you don't know. Can you? You can't trust what you don't know. My experience with my grandfather makes me very nervous when I see people, and I'm very observant, unfortunately, but it makes me very nervous when people are drinking. I can watch, and you know, two beers, three beers, a couple of wines, I'm okay. But once it starts getting to, you know, a bit more, I get nervous. I get afraid. Things happen to us that shape and form us. So, you know, I want to know people so my confidence grows in them. David knew God. He knew the promises of God. Samuel spoke the words of God to David, and he knew them. David was a shepherd boy, and no doubt being a a child, one of the children of Israel, all the relatives would have talked to him and explained to him, his aunts and uncles and grandparents would have no doubt reminded them of the way God had delivered the children of Israel through Egypt. He would have heard about the water parting. He would have heard about the plagues. He would have heard how God has been faithful in the past. And David, while he's out in those shepherd fields, is rehearsing those truths and, and writing songs about those truths. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He knows who his God is. But not only did he know who his God was, he was familiar with God's promises. You see, Samuel spoke a promise to David when he anointed him and said that you're going to be king. 
David knew the promises of God and he rehearsed them. My question to us is, do we know God's word? Do you know the promises of God? Because when you're aware of those promises, it's in times of difficulty that your confidence strengthens. I was in the hospital with my wife on the Tuesday. And I'm sharing this with you because I don't have it all together and I don't do it all right. But I texted a buddy of mine and I was feeling vulnerable and I said to my buddy, as, you know, do you think God's trying to get my attention? He's allowing quite a few things to happen. And my brother faithfully reminded me of the promises of God. You see, friends, when bad things happen like they did to David, like they did to Jesus, like they did to Peter and James and John and um, various people throughout church history, when terrible things happened, it wasn't as though God was punishing them because God sent Jesus to receive the punishment that you and I never, ever have to receive. But he's producing something in us. He's giving us an opportunity to grow in our trust for him. You see, God is in control and he can be trusted. And he can be trusted because he's acted and provided from the beginning and he will provide to the very end. And friends, I'm telling you that this is true because it's in here. But also it's true because I've tested this and it's true. It's happened in my life. I want my friends and I want my brothers and sisters in Christ to know that this is not a lie. He can be trusted in some of the most difficult and painful situations you will ever find yourself in. But do you know what's unique about us as humans and individuals, educated Westerners? We spend a lot more time studying our fears rather than studying and meditating on God's promises and his word. I want to ask you a question. What would be different for you if you spent time, rather than investigating all the triggers for, spe- for fear, and spent an equal amount of time investing in God's holy word and in his promises? Oh, I am not at all dismissing, investigating triggers. Please don't hear that. But what I'm asking you is, where is the majority of your time spent? Is it spent running to God's word? Or is it spent just trying to figure out a way out? I've got to do this on my own. I've got to try harder. I've got to figure this out. God's given me a brain. Oprah Winfrey's philosophy, theology. God helps those who help themselves. Yeah, we do have a brain. But when you look through Scripture, what we're encouraged to do is to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, over and over again. Study to show yourself approved. Know Him, growing in the grace and knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I'm almost done. I don't want any fear to raise that I'm going to go on for too long. But I want you to hear one final thing, and that is, I understand, friends, that we live in a broken world, and this is a real issue. 
for some of us as brothers and sisters in Christ. Fear grips our hearts so bad that we can't breathe. We feel like we're out of control. We feel nauseous and we feel sick. There's a man that I greatly respect and a man whose shoulders I stand on and I go to as a resource many times. He's a Christian counselor. He's ministered to hundreds, thousands of people. But he suffers from panic attacks. So please don't hear me saying that Christians don't suffer from fear because they do and they live with it. And I want you to know something. Fear can function in our lives the way that God never, ever intended it to. Fear can function in our lives the way that God never, ever intended it to. But I want you to know that God has helped many men and women. I want to give you hope. God has helped deliver many, a man and a woman, who have called upon him to help them as they walk through fear. In some cases, he's delivered them, and in some cases, he's enabled them and assisted them as they walked through fear. This man that I'm telling you about now who suffers panic attacks is a godly man, and he gets his wife, and he gets pastors, and he gets other people around him to say, this is what I'm going through. Help me. Pray for me. But I want you, if you are suffering with fear, I want you to know that you can put your trust in God. But sometimes you might think, I need some flesh on. I need somebody to be with me. I need some help here. And so what I would encourage you to do is perhaps you could share it with your life group leader or your pastor. Don't live with your fear privately. Because some people do live with fear and they try to keep it um, to themselves because they're ashamed. They'll be feel that they're being made fun of. They'll feel that people won't understand them. But I want you to know as a brother and sister in Christ and as a, a church family here at Sovereign Grace, we understand that people walk through various things and we are with you, not against you. And we want to help you and walk with you. You see, there is an invitation for us to trust him the one who is inviting us to trust him has sent his son for us. And when our knowledge of him grows, our trust will grow as well. I want you, I don't know if you write in your Bible, I don't know if you underline or mark it some way, put a bookmarker there, but I want you to see with your very own eyes, 56 verse 9, and it's again the last sentence in Isaiah, um, Psalm 56 verse 9, and it says this, then I know that God is for me. My friends, sometimes we can feel as though when we are afraid that God isn't for us, and yet he is. And because he is, David was able to continue to perform acts of worship. He was continuing to be able to serve the Lord with great faithfulness and great trust. And so I would say to you, dear brother and sister today, you can trust God and he will enable you because he has acted in the past. He knows your fears. He has acted in the past. He has revealed and he has provided and he has overcome. And I share this with you this morning because I am a, a, 
scandalous uh, and gracious recipient of this incredible care from our Heavenly Father. So what I'm going to do this morning is, because I'm a little bit lame at the moment uh, and need help, I'm going to get Andy to come up and close us in prayer. While he's doing that, the band can come up, and I'm going to sneak off the stage. But Andy, would you pray for us, bro? Let's pray, guys.